Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Rumi's Garage Podcast. I'm your host, Rumi. We got Peter in the producer chair. Hey, what's up? So I have a very interesting guest, uh, one of my closest friends and comic book enthusiast, uh, movie blogger, and amazing guy, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Nick? Make your own introduction. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was pretty good, man. I appreciate that, yeah. Uh, amazing guy, yeah. I mean, definitely amazing guy. Uh, comic book enthusiast. Uh, I mean, it's a lot to keep up with, man. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of comic book content, a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows, man. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into that, man. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little more about you and. Uh, man. Uh, I mean, you covered it pretty much in a nutshell. But I mean, yeah, I love uh, comics. You know, love um, anything creative, man. So I mean, like you know, like the content that I feel like been really coming to TV lately has been really good. Um, so, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, anything, anything creative. Heck yeah. So, uh, what do you think, uh, like the way, the direction, like comic books are going? I mean, you're talking about like in terms of like media, like in terms of like entertainment. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like comic book media, like has kind of like, you know, always, you know, been like up and down. Um, I feel like Marvel, um, has you know, done a good job consistently. I mean, they've, you know, always pumped out pretty good movies. Um, but, you know, I feel the problem with Marvel is, you know, they're always, you know, confined by Disney, you know, where, you know, we just got the Suicide Squad. This is a rated R movie from WB, and they're able to do a lot more things. I know critically, you know, there was kind of mixed reviews. Some people didn't like it, but I feel like, you know, if you're a real big comic book fan, um it made sense you know i mean to have the villain you know a big starfish you know it's kind of you know different but you know it was uh it was a different movie one thing i wanted to one thing i wanted to ask real quick um so i i'm a really big like comic enthusiast Mm -hmm. movies like i mean just that world like i grew up reading comic books you know that i was given from parents and relatives and friends from like 70s 80s mostly Mm -hmm. so what i guess before we like dive full tilt into everything what is your background in comics like where like what stuff did you grow up reading what are you still reading what makes you you know gravitate towards certain stuff for like movies and shows sure um i mean my dad got me into comics like you know at an early age um i mean just take me to the comic book store um i mean i grew up towards like you know like superman batman you know like the classic stuff um so i mean you know just i mean seeing things like that i mean like the 89 batman was always you know a favorite of mine um, and seeing that Michael Keaton's coming back to the role is something that's huge for me too. Cause you know, I was always a big fan of, uh, you know, uh, the other guys who portray Batman, but you know, Michael Keaton for me was always my Batman, but, um, yeah, man, comics have always uh, been, you know, a big part of my life. Um, you know, like Rumi said, I like to, you know, kind of blog a little bit about movies, um, but I like to, you know, draw too. So, I mean, anything when it comes to creativity, um, kind of just sucks me in. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh. Like you said, uh, like with uh, Marvel, like the Suicide Squad, I actually like this one because mm-hmm. I, uh, like, I'm usually not a huge fan of John Cena, mm-hmm. but uh, John, but th- in this role he was pretty good, and uh, I like the way they utilized the characters. Like even uh, King Shark mm-hmm. was pretty funny, mm-hmm. and I think it's. Cut him! Go upstairs. All right. Uh, okay. 
So let's go back to it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like, so... Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think the characters that they chose for this Suicide Squad were, you know, it was it was definitely a big swing, you know, but I think, you know, like, he knocked it out of the park. You know, it, it gave James Gunn, you know, a chance to really, you know, like, develop the characters that I think in the first Suicide Squad didn't really get a chance to get developed properly, you know? Like, not saying that they weren't bad characters, um, but we just didn't really get a chance to know them. Exactly. You know, even in this story, like... You know, we have two sets of teams, you know, going on the beach, and both of which I feel like I got to know just like that, you know. Exactly. Yeah, my also problem is with uh, DC is usually is the way they edit their movies. Like, they skip too much in between. Okay. Well, the Snyder Cut is the exact example of that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, re I really enjoyed the Snyder Cut when that came out. Mm -hmm. Having seen the original Justice League when it first came out, and it was just terrible. But it's, it's what you're saying. Like, they gave... James Gunn a time to like develop each character, so the creator, the creative force of like one guy gets mm -hmm. to manage a project rather than a studio being like, "Well, we have to run a commercial that has at least you know eight <laughs> seconds of every specific character." That's that's dumb. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I think you know, like the first Suicide Squad was kind of like put together like you know like a trailer. So I mean, when you saw the trailer, I mean, it excited everybody, but when you saw the film, you know, it kind of felt just like the trailer. Exactly. Like uh, I mean, it was edited by the trailer company. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah so it, it literally like that's why it plays like that. Yeah. Yeah, like because uh, some movies just seem like they're like hey, like it's not there's no art to it, so it seems like it's more like we talked about in like our one of our first podcasts is like it seems more commercial based. It's like instead of making a movie that like people are gonna leave, it's like hey, just get them to the seat. You got their money, mm -hmm. and you know whether they like it or not, we're still getting paid. So that's like with this Suicide Squad is like seems more thought, more character driven, mm -hmm. and like all a well put together movie. And I mean, what you what do you expect from the guy from the Guardians of the Galaxy? You know what I'm saying? Well, Those movies were great. Exactly. I mean, and this is a guy who come from like you know uh, like a trauma background, who's like more like you know like horror and like you know like gross out humor. Um, so and that's exactly what we got with this Suicide Squad. You know, I mean, the first like you know like five minutes, people are getting you know, decapitated and their arms ripped off. And, uh, I mean, but it was a ton of fun. It's not like, you know, like you wanted to look away because it was too gory. Yeah, man, I, I really liked it, but I would love to see where DC go. Uh, Marvel, Marvel might see this and want to go this route on some of their movies. I mean, I feel like they have the properties to do it. Like, they want to do Deadpool stuff. It's like, you have to do it justice. They have two movies that are mm -hmm. just like that, and they sell, like, nothing. Like, they, they, it's insane. So if... If they take cues, and they have James Gunn in their corner, so if they're like, "Hey, we have people that we know can make really good mm -hmm. R-rated content that like still makes money," yeah. hopefully they do that. And I think you know the problem that they had in the past was they're trying to put the cart before the horse. You know, they're trying to keep up with Marvel when you know what they have that Marvel doesn't have is there's no confines within WB. WB can do really whatever they want. You know, WB is able to you know make a rated R movie and you know say what you will about you know like what you think about the story, but you know, Marvel, you know, makes good films, but they make good films for families. And I feel that, you know, when you watch a Marvel film, you pretty much know what you're going to get, you know, from start to finish. Um, and I think that's been kind of some of the complaints from the directors. You know, it's it's a blast to be a part of a Marvel movie, um, but you're not really going to be able to tell your story. You and know? Edgar Wright is the best example of that. Exactly. Right. Man, that, like, I think it took until they put James Gunn on Guardians of the Galaxy to realize 
putting somebody in charge that is like a creative mind is actually going to have way better results. Because yep. without a right, they're like, oh, you're not making a studio product. Like, you should leave. And yeah. It's like, That's dumb. It, you know, now it's an okay movie, mm-hmm. but it's not like what it could have been. Exactly right. And I feel like, you know, like seeing the new trailer for The Eternals and seeing what Chloe Zhao is bringing to the table, you know, they're trying to get directors and kind of, you know, maybe being a little bit more hands off, which I hope because. You know they're not used to filming on location, so I mean, seeing the the Eternals trailer and seeing how the you know certain shots are you know filmed on location, I mean it looks a lot different than you know what they've been giving us in the past. Yeah, and it's like the criticism that everybody gives uh, with the executives is like, you guys are just college grads, not really that much artistic. You're just in a position and you just want to like voice your opinion, mm-hmm. and but like you got to give the creatives more, you know, more room to create because. Uh, Nobody really watches a movie for what well, ex- executive is behind it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. The people watch, if you're really into it, the, you know, the producers, uh, the directors, the actors. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Those are the people that people watch. Nobody really cares who funded the movie. Right. So, like, I think people need to have less say and let the creators make it. Mm-hmm. And people are going to watch it either. Like, What's the point? Like, they're, they're, like, betting on is, like, people are going to watch it either way just because Superman is this big name, Batman is this big name. So we're going to get viewership either way. Mm-hmm. But then why not just make something good mm-hmm. is my biggest thing. And it's also egos, man. Some people just like being the boss and want to interject yeah, I mean, and everything. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I think, you know, when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, I mean, things can get definitely, like, you know, gunked up. But I feel that, you know, they need to have somebody like a Kevin Feige steering the ship. Without that, you know, they're going to be kind of, you know, always, you know, kind of just going with the flow, which, I mean, can be a good or bad thing. Um, I feel like the direction they're going in now, you know, having so many different properties, you know, uh, at one time. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have multiple Batmans coming out at the same time. You got Michael Keaton coming back. You have Ben Affleck in the same movie as Batman. You have, um, you know, they're doing the Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yep. You have you know so many different Batman's. You have two you know iterations of Superman that are black coming to the screen. Um, and then also the one in uh, Superman and Lois, the show. Exactly. And if Cavill ever does it again. Yep. So it's it, it, it's a multiverse without any explanation, basically. Yeah, which is which is great because you know when we were younger, you know we were lucky to get you know a superhero movie a year, uh, if that. So, and DC really used to tighten the reins on, you know, the property of, like, Batman and Superman, you know, like, like, oh, you know, those are, like, you know, our prize ponies. We can only really let them out to go to the movies. Um, But as we saw for, like, Superman Lois, I mean, it got really good reviews. You know, it got picked up for a second season right after the first episode because it was shot like a movie, you know, and it didn't feel like a CW show. And granted, it's only the first season. You know, I know a lot of people say yeah, that. Yeah, if, if the Flash is an indicator, you get a couple good seasons. <laughs> you get a couple good then... seasons, and that's exactly where I was going. I mean, the Flash, you know, started really strong, but I don't think, you know, because I went back and I thought, you know, well, maybe, you know, let me just look at the, the old episodes. And, you know, it was different technology, but, you know, it was also just shot completely different. So, I mean, hopefully, moving forward, they can keep this, this stride going. The other thing I have an issue with even the Flash is, man, it's like things that are going on in reality kind of all seep in like the you know the woke culture mm-hmm. or not whatever quote-unquote woke culture or like you're trying to like you're trying to have more people uh, included like more inclusiveness but the problem is artistically it's not making sense well i mean i think yeah i mean i hear what you're saying and i mean like you know i think a lot of people have those uh similar gripes is 
you know, as long as it goes well, well with the story, you know, is that's perfectly fine. You know, Jason, yeah. Jason Todd, you know, just came out as, you know, recently bisexual. And, you know, people were, you know, kind of, you know, controversy, you know, there's, you know, controversy with him coming out as bisexual. But I feel that, you know, it's not really a big issue. You know, there's, uh, you know, several different Robins. So if people have an issue with this Robin being bisexual, I mean, you can jump over to the next one. And yeah. I don't have an issue with him being bisexual. It's like, but the the problem is it's an already established character. Well, I, I think the thing... That's the only thing that I don't like about it. The only the thing with that, though, is like, as with the experience of many bisexual or LGBTQ people, that would be something where part of their identity had not been public for a long time because of cultural things. Yeah. So it makes sense. But also, it's is there anything about his character that intrinsically means he has to be straight to be the same character? And there isn't. So it's right, right? It's like with... Um, uh, any character where it's this, something about their race or their gender or their sexual identity has something to do with the character, then like, yeah, you should keep that because that makes it very necessary for that. But I think most characters don't have that. And um, my also thing is like, if you're going to do a... You know, why Robin? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, you know, I guess going off of that, you know, we had a discussion about, you know, like, you know, race bending, race changing. Um, you know, having two movies come out, you know, with Superman being, you know, a black character, you know, I think it's fine, you know, because Superman can really be anything, you know, he can be, you know, black, he can be white, he can be, you know, male, he can be females, you know, we've seen with Supergirl. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on here that like Superman being an alien means that you can do whatever you want with this mm -hmm. race. And it, it, if anything, you can tell really cool new stories exactly. of like the unique experience of being black and being a superhero. Yeah. And, you know, it's just... Yeah. And I think, you know, those are the cool stories that DC told when, you know, you got Red Sun with Superman being, you know, brought up in this, you know, Russian, you know, society instead of, you know, here in America. Um, you know, that can work, I think, with Superman. Other characters like Batman, if you made him, you know, a black, you know, man instead of a white man, it would play a little bit differently. You would have to actually change, I feel, a little bit more of the story from Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne comes from a long line of descendants of billionaires, millionaires. So yeah, he comes. He comes from privilege, and his character kind of operates in the in the cowl as like someone processing what it means to be privileged and protect exactly. other people. And that and that that is like sadly, but it is like a, a pretty white experience mm -hmm. that like you'd rather see that played out as like yeah, he's like a billionaire and an asshole because he's a white guy. Exactly. Now, <laughs> if you like counterpart of that with you know there was a black character who was very similar to Bruce Wayne and had to you know kind of fight his way up and you know his ancestors had kind of fight their way up and because of that you know there was their own villains so to speak and you know he had to kind of become you know like a character like Batman I mean I think that's a story you know a unique story that should be told yeah. so uh it's just I don't know is the one in the movie it's gonna be like Bruce Wayne that's African-American no, I think they're they're doing Superman. Superman, yeah. Superman. So uh, one's Clark Kent. So both of them are going to be Clark Kent. One's going to be Clark Kent. One's going to be uh, Valzad. Okay, okay. Uh, that one thing that with Valzad, I mean, I, I think it's good because I hear the argument a lot that like it's cool that we get more African American superheroes or superheroes of any race, right? Mm -hmm. But sadly, sometimes it happens where they just switch the race of an existing character. I would rather give movies to characters who were already that race. Yeah. That's why I'm really or excited we'll that they're doing, like, the Miss Marvel show mm -hmm. and that she's going to be prominent in the second Captain Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. Like, put those characters... Obviously, Black Panther is, like, the hugest example of that. But, like, take the characters that already have that as their identity and make them, you know, more prominent. Exactly. And if you can do it with the Guardians of the Galaxy, a team that nobody in the world really knew about other than if you're a comics fan, you can do it with any character. 
True. Yeah. Yeah, and I just the problem is I don't think I don't know. Like, uh, seems the motivation is like uh, consumerism mm-hmm. and not actually being progressive. Well, I mean, that's it, the problem with me is like you're just doing it to cater to onion, but you're doing it in regards to your core fan base. I think there's there's different ways in which you know they they go about doing it. You know, there's ways in which they went about you know making Robin you know uh, you know a bisexual character. I don't really give a fuck about Robin. To be and honest then with you. <laughs> there's ways you know like you know the CW shows you know kind of shoehorn characters in. To kind of fit certain agendas. Now, you know, I feel like it does go with the story, but it goes with the story because you made it go with the story. It doesn't really make you know a difference whether you take it out or put it in. You know, it was intentionally shoehorned. Yeah, because we were talking about Supergirl, and when they had that trans uh, character, mm-hmm. and the issue, my issue with that is, it's fine, one hundred percent. I believe you know everybody should have a like a space in media. Mm-hmm. My problem is when they gave me their political agenda which is uh this character which is a uh, alien mm-hmm. so i don't know if aliens even have gender like how they're assuming you know what i'm saying but she uh she transitioned and but in her race only a female can become the with powers so her sister was all cool with her and everything mm-hmm. then it skipped her sister and the power. She got the powers. And her sister was like, you're not even a girl. So my thing is like, you went too far because now you're like, you're trying to get into like, not biology and stuff. I was like, you could have done it a little bit better. Just she's trans. And like, you didn't have to have this other extra element of only female. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because now yeah. you made it more controversial than it needed to be. She's trans with powers. If anything, if anything, what should happen for the sake of better stories and better representation is have people in writers' rooms who have had these experiences in real life. Yeah. So then they'll write. You know, a trans person in a writers' room for a CW show isn't going to write this like super shoehorned. Whatever. They're going to be like, well, what did I go through? Like, mm-hmm. how can I write a character that's genuine to exactly. that? Exactly. And then it will all flow together. And that's the issue is that companies go, well, we'll we'll just shortcut and we'll just make a character be trans or gay or what. Mm-hmm. It's like that's dumb. You're not going to get it right. You have to have people that know the stories. Yeah. To tell them. And the th- other thing is, she fell in love with an alien with no emotions. So it's like weird. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, here's another just you know observation. All the movies that WB is coming out with in the future, uh, Batgirl, you know, who's you know uh, Latina, um, you know, the Blue Beetle movie, you know, who he's you know Mexican, um, the two black Superman movies. These are all movies that are going to be only on HBO Max. They're not going to theaters. So. I find it a bit odd that you know they're presenting us with these you know new uh, you know superheroes of you know different ethnicities, but they're only going to HBO Max. They're not going to theaters. So you know it just kind of says something you know like, are they not good enough for you know the theatrical release? I mean, or are they you know only good enough for streaming? Because you know I mean it's just it, yeah they know that China won't buy any of those movies, and yeah. that that's what's tragic. But it's becoming more and more real mm-hmm. that you you can't cut. You know, a black protagonist out of the entire movie, and you can't send it to China if that's the protagonist. It's yeah, like, it's so also like the tr- trans and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean anything. The, that's not... China doesn't play that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, one thing I will say, you know, with the method that HBO Max went this year with releasing everything on their their streaming platform, I think worked. Uh, you know, at least in my opinion, because you know, I'm still maybe a little apprehensive about going out certain places, especially in large crowds. Um, 
So, I mean, for me, I mean, I have a big screen TV at my house, you know, I mean, now pretty much everybody can have, you know, the theater experience within their own home and safety. Uh, so, I mean, it worked, I think, for their first year. I mean, I know a lot of, you know, the production companies and directors are a little upset, but I think it worked. So, we'll see how the second year goes. I mean, kind of taking it away from the people who loved it for the first year. Yeah, yeah it'll depend on how how much each of these studios hand creative control over to the directors. Mm -hmm. I, as much as, like, I didn't really like it. I didn't, I didn't think it was an amazing movie. Like, Joker was probably the first time Warner Brothers was like, let's really just let somebody make a movie. Yep. And they gave them one of the biggest characters they could possibly give because mm -hmm. they knew that would get people in the door out of curiosity. Sure. And, like, it did pay off for them. I mean, that movie, regardless of what you think about it, everybody has either seen it or talks about it or has mm -hmm. it. And it's like, it drew up a lot of buzz for... What if it wasn't Zack Snyder making these movies? Exactly. You know? And like that that sells and that's good. Yep. Some people even took that character as inspiration for protest. <laughs> yeah, I mean Iraq. Yeah, you're show, you're showing me things like that. Well which... they would put quotes like he didn't even say. We live in a society. No, it'll be like uh <laughs> Everybody in government are bastards. Like what are you talking about? So they have the translation and they're like, Hey, look what he said. I'm like ah. I know English. That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> I was like, you guys know he's just crazy. And then they have like this fringe, like kind of Antifa, kind of Proud Boys group called Joker in Iraq. He'd be like, bro, you guys realize it's just a character. But they see it as like, but that just shows you is like what it's we see like, as a villain and other countries might see as a hero. It's just like U.S. cops using the Punisher logo. Like the dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> seen. Where you're like... That has nothing to do with what you do as a cop. It's mm -hmm. just a character. You just attached your... Oh, I think it comes from the stem as like, that's the kind of justice they wish they can do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think people just, you know, in, in general... We like know, symbolism, so... Exactly. I mean, symbolism, I mean, anybody would love to just take up a moniker. You know, I mean, like, if you could, you know, take up the identity of, like, a, a vigilante and were able to actually fight crime, I'm sure you probably try. I mean, I, at least I would. I, I see mean, myself more of a villain. Yeah, there's there was a guy. Uh, I'm looking up his name right now because I, I forget it, but um, it's something Jones, and he I was in Portland. He was a real life superhero mm -hmm. for a couple years. Really, really fascinating story, and like, I think it's definitely the closest, at least in the United States, that I know of of anyone like trying to actually play out what it would be like to yeah. be a superhero, and like. He ended up getting in tons of trouble because he <laughs> was dealing drugs like most of the time that he well. was doing it. So, who knows? But. Um, I mean, does Bruce Wayne not deal drugs? I, on the exactly, side? you know that guy. Is. I mean, come on, this guy's definitely slinging some hash on the side. <laughs> We're gonna act like Iron Man didn't sell nuclear weapons to the Taliban. I mean, not <laughs> nuclear weapons, weapons missiles to the Taliban or whoever they were in the what's it called <laughs> movie. Yeah, I'm trying to find well, this guy's name, but you know, I, I always thought that you know, like, like you know, like curious. I mean, like, if you're a billionaire, I mean, like, why not at least try? I mean, like. Because you get your because most billionaires can't fight. But what's stopping them from learning? Too busy. <laughs> I guess too busy going to space. <laughs> well, we don't know if they're good enough. They've been doing it this whole time. So, and like not, with uh, Bruce knows. Wayne, uh, I think kind of like Alfred, kind of like when he was off learning martial arts. Mm -hmm. Alfred was like running things. Like people look at Alfred as just a butler, but he's really more. Mm -hmm. He actually like runs things. Mm -hmm. You know, that reminds me of, uh, you know, do you remember the uh, the adaptation that Darren Aronofsky was going to do for the Batman? I did, He was up to do a Batman movie? He was movie? up to do a oh Batman. Oh, my gosh. And it was actually just That's before. Terrifying. Well, it, it is and it isn't. <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I'm curious to see how it was going to pan out. Because yeah. it was just before Batman Begins. 
And, oh, uh, so what did he end up making around that time instead? Black Swan. Okay, I was going to say it was either Black Swan or the one before that. Yep. So they pulled him off the project because, I mean, it, it did kind of really start going off the rails. Bruce Wayne, it was more of like a year one story. Okay. But it was also like uh, the year 100 storyline too. Okay. Where Bruce Wayne is moneyless. You know, he has no fortune. So he's being, he's being raised by a black mechanic named Big Al. And it's not too far from, like, what, you know, is kind of being, like, shown, like, within the Matt Reeves, you know, Batman movie. Because they soup up, uh, like, a Lincoln Continental <laughs> as the Batmobile. No way. Yeah. See, I, Aronofsky is one where maybe there is some uh, sense in not giving full control. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I still would love to see that movie. It's yeah. sad that some characters that have a lot of potential never get handed off to directors like that. Yeah. Where it's like... I'm sure at some point we'll see, you know, Dennis Villeneuve do a superhero movie or whatever. But, like, there are some directors like that, like Aronofsky, where I'm like, I, I would really, you know, I would I would watch that as much as it might not be amazing. Like it, it probably wouldn't be a Batman movie as much as it would be just, you know, like a real crazy vigilante as we were just talking about. A char- but, like a character piece. A character yeah, piece, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it'd be interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, who, yeah, it's countdown, whether comic book or not. Like, what? who are your director guys who are, but, or, or, or gals? Who do you well, gravitate I mean, to? It's funny because, I mean, if you think back, I mean, like, Tim Burton, I mean, wasn't really a comic book person. Yeah. You know, I mean, Batman 89, people, you know, revere as one of the, you know, their favorites. But it's yeah. not a good comic book movie. Right. I mean, he doesn't really do anything to save the day, per se. I mean, he comes in and kind of wrecks more havoc, if anything. Yeah. So, you know, I think... Sometimes having those people, but I mean, he, he made a good movie, though. He made, you know, an entertaining, you know, movie. And I think sometimes people get wrapped up in their head. You know, Zack Snyder, you know, when he was, you know, doing Batman v Superman, I thought it was going to be the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was going to be, you know, the Dark Knight Returns brought to screen. Yeah. But it wasn't anything that like that. It's real bad. And obviously, like, I feel like. I don't know. Christopher Nolan is the top example, I think, of mm-hmm. if you give a really talented filmmaker the rights to a property that's automatically going to get eyes on it, yep. you will you can get a really incredible project. And, All like, right. as much as Dark Knight Rises is not, like, revered as the greatest movie, like, that's pretty much a perfect trilogy of Batman movies. So, 100%. that's super impressive. And, yeah, it's exactly that. It's like, I wish Snyder maybe, and, and who knows, because we don't really know if Snyder had a, too much studio oversight and that's what made those movies bad. Mm-hmm. They could have, like, maybe there's a good movie in there somewhere. And I, I think the Snyder Cut of Justice League is as close to, like, a really good Snyder movie as we'll get. And like you said, I mean, I really enjoy the Snyder Cut. You know, watching it, you know, like, it didn't drag on for four hours. You know, mm-hmm. I know people, you know, were like, that's ah, four hours of my time. It's, I got to, you know, devote to watching a movie. But, you know, people said the same thing about The Irishman. Right. When I watched The Irishman, that felt longer than four hours. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I remember, you know, tweeting something after watching like the first half hour. I'm like, well, I just finished the first season of the Irishman (laughs) because I mean, it just felt like it went on forever. But, you know, the, you know, scenes that he chose to put into, uh, the Justice League, the new scenes that he shot, I felt went perfectly and were almost the things that were missing in the first, you know, theatrical cut. Yeah. I, I remember watching the theatrical cut and like. For as bright and flashy as the whole thing is, you can fall asleep during it. Exactly. And and it's just because when you have a bunch of executives and Joss Whedon after his after his peak of making, you know, the first Avengers, mm-hmm. like it's just a bunch of people being like, This is the formula. So if we just like 
go through this shot list of like explosion here and then like stab a villain character here, it'll be good. And it, it clearly is not. And so mm-hmm. as much as like four hours is a long movie, that's a big investment. It's like if you have four hours of really cool, good stuff that you can make flow narratively, like it's worth it. Exactly. And I think it was. Now, there's one thing that I wish that, I, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth because I love seeing it in a four hour just chunk. But I wish they would have kind of segmented it into like a miniseries that they were initially talking about doing because I, I just get on this kick of like, you know, like, you know, Watchmen, you know, a few years ago, a couple years ago. It was just a great show. So, I mean, if, you know, HBO Max had kind of and I knew they weren't going to do this because, you know, it was something they were trying to basically, you know, get off their shelf and just, you know, get rid of, um, you know, appease the fans, the Snyder fans. And let it be that. But if they would have, you know, I think segmented it, broke it down like on a Sunday, you know, evening, 10 o'clock, you know, I mean, it was rated R. So, I mean, it was for adults. Put the kiddies to sleep. Right. You know, let's watch, you know, Zack Snyder. Yeah. And it's interesting that Watchmen is a really good example that given that Snyder directed the original Watchmen and it has the same criticism. It's bloated. It doesn't flow with the comic books. It doesn't. And it's like. Yeah, he does best when the stuff he's taking would actually work better as a miniseries. Exactly. If he could just make like 45 minute to an hour, four or five episodes, plenty of time to flesh it out. Hopefully that happens more often as the Disney Plus shows get a lot of recognition. Mm-hmm. Like I think like the success of especially Loki, I'm like, okay, so a series where it's, you know, four movies or three movies worth of content weekly. Mm-hmm. Is a really viable way to tell a comic book story. Right. I think a lot better than a movie. Right. I think, again, it's going to fall under the, you know, the confines of Disney again because, you know, the confines of Disney, it's going to be hard to tell a good story. You know, after I saw uh, Black Widow, I, I know it wasn't a show, but, you know, there's so much that I feel like could have been told because, you know, the comics, um, or at least the comics of, you know, like back in the day, you know, were much more graphic. You know, I haven't really read Marvel in a while, but, you know, I don't know if they've kind of taken that away. But, you know, the things that, you know, Black Widow went through to become Black Widow was graphic and horrifying. Um, And obviously Disney can't show those type of things. Right. So, but, you know, as an adult viewer, it's not that I'm looking for that, but, you know, it goes with the story. So kind of like what you were saying with, you know, shoehorning certain things in there, certain things need to be, you know, kind of in there to tell a better narrative. That's why, like, I think they should license more out to, like, say, hey, you know, we can't do this movie, but they can. I mean, that's... But the it, problem is, is it would be a, financially, does it make sense? It would be a slippery slope because, you know, you saw all the the turmoil and kind of still going on with, you know, how they, you know, lent Marvel Tom Holland and Tom Holland then got, you know, released. And then, you know, he kind of publicly, you know, let people know that, you know, he wanted to be with Marvel even though he was contractually obligated to be with Sony. So... It, it's always going to be a slippery slope, and I think that was one of the reasons why, you know, we haven't seen a Hulk movie is because, you know, there are certain things within, you know, the legal world, I guess. But do you think they could, like, uh, license it for a specific movie? And not, like, do, like, a long uh, licensing? Like, hey, you can... I mean, I'm sure we're probably going to see more experimental things like that. Um, because if you track it like this is the same as the era of Hollywood that made westerns all the time, mm-hmm. eventually it has to, like... We we will live to see like the falling apart of all this, exactly. but you there are all these like phases in there mm-hmm. where like you have you know, John Wayne movies made like this, and then you have other and ensemble casts, and then director pieces and whatever. So what's weird is that some of those movies 
from like the Western era, we can look to as pretty analogous to what's happening now mm -hmm. and be like, okay, so we're going to get a version of this movie or that movie. We're going to get the good and the bad and the ugly of superhero movies that mm -hmm. will be talked about in a hundred years. Right. Whether or not it's already happened, I don't know. Like, I think there might be contenders, but like, it's going to take a long time to know what that is. So people are going to keep experimenting until they find that they made like the one. Mm -hmm. Right. I think like Infinity War, maybe Logan. Like, there's a couple that will probably get talked about, like, in a long time. It's mm -hmm. like, that was a well-put-together and popular movie. But yeah. who knows if it's already been made. And, you know, that's a good point. You know, you were talking about, in terms of genre itself, you know, um, westerns, you know, always were, you know, constantly changing. You know, John Wayne couldn't be put in Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I mean, you know, he just wouldn't have fit in. But, you know, they were always evolving. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening with the, the movie industry uh, in terms of the superhero uh, movies. They're they're evolving, and I feel like it's for the better. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's any real loss to just getting new stuff all the time. Yeah, and eventually they'll run out of regular mainstream stories that like every single comic fan knows, and they'll have to dig a little deeper and either write new stuff for the movies mm -hmm. or do comic stories that like haven't been read in a long time. Right, and that's I think that's really exciting. If we ever get to that point like the fact that they're starting the moon knight series is like mm -hmm. i think a really good thing moon knight's pretty much always been like my favorite marvel character so mm -hmm. that's super exciting but also they're gonna tell the origin story of moon knight and give like one or two basic fights what i'm excited about is you know after that season ends and people really like it where can they go because there are moon knight stories that are insane exactly and if they've opened the door to say we'll either make r-rated stuff or mm -hmm. we'll do this and that it's like now we can get more experimental stuff yep. and then you can hand it off to an aronofsky or something like that and be like <laughs> hey make the craziest thing yeah and people will love it well i think you know like definitely eternal is going to be something that they're going to be watching closely being that you know chloe zhao just you know won the oscar and you know they shot on location so it's going to be a different you know movie altogether um, but when they release Deadpool, you know, through Disney as a rated R movie, that's going to be something that they're really going to, I think, watch closely too, because if it works, which I, you know, I'm assuming it probably will, they're going to start thinking, okay, well now we're the ones, you know, who are further behind, you know, DC, you know, WB has already been, you know, making these movies, these rated R adult movies, you know, maybe should we, you know, they're going to start thinking these things, you know, and you know, you already have their competitors, you know, besides WB. You have Amazon with the boys, um, you know, with, you know... Uh, what a good show. A great show. My favorite show. Love that great show. show. And it, it's it's hard to compete nowadays, you know? I mean, I feel people are always going to, you know, watch the content that you provide. But, you know, it might be a little lackluster, you know? I mean, people's attention spans are always, you know, like, like well, what else you got? What else you got? Yeah. So... If you're giving us the same formula, you know, you just kind of change the scenario a little bit. We're not stupid, you know, so you kind of have to do something different and maybe think outside of the box. Um, you know, I've been a fan of their new series, What If. I haven't seen it yet. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched them yet, but I I read those comics a lot growing up. Okay. And like that, this is the 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 series they've started that I think I'm the most excited about because not only is it like open-ended where it's like anthology mm -hmm. so you can watch them in any order you can watch them whatever. but also it's an infinite series exactly you can forever as they make more movies they'll open more doors they can go down with what if and so mm -hmm. if they just keep making them i think with it being animated it makes it a little easier to make them it does they don't yep. have to shoot you know these insane things that ideally becomes this like huge project that mm -hmm. can just go forever and 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 it's a great i think it's a great thing for like 
a younger crowd too right where younger kids are always going to have the like oh well what if so and so fought this character so they have a door to say let's do all that stuff to satisfy the fans without having to make it a hundred million dollar movie mm-hmm. it's really neat yeah and i think you know they're already telling good stories uh the first one people were a little you know i guess on the fence about uh it was essentially the same story that was told in the first avenger it was just you know role swaps you know peggy carter becomes you know um you know kind of the Captain America role, so to speak. The second one, you know, T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, and that was a completely different story. And it was unique to see because you have all the same characters pretty much from Guardians of the Galaxy, but told in a completely different light. You know, everybody who was seen in Guardians of the Galaxy, especially because it was directed by James Gunn, was kind of shown, I guess, in their, like, worst light, you know, so to speak. I mean, they weren't villains. You know, Yondu wasn't a villain, but he certainly wasn't doing, like, admirable things. Right. Um, in this latest episode of What If, you know, Yandu, you know, he's a pretty good guy, you know. Yeah. And T'Challa always is making people better. Um, and not to, you know, spoil anything if people haven't seen it, but spoiler warning if, if you haven't. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen it, skip ahead 30 seconds. <laughs> Thanos is a good guy in this episode, which is fantastic because you get to see everybody work together. And, you know, again, that just plays off of T'Challa being the person that he is. You know, he comes in and not being like Star-Lord, he's being the person that he is. T'Challa is just a natural-born leader. So, you know, it's just, it was great to see, you know, that that new story with him. Yeah. And plus, this was Chadwick Boseman's last, you know, thing that he did with Marvel. So it was it was almost, you know, like, like heartbreaking, heartwarming, in a sense, a little of both, you know, to see and hear Chadwick Boseman, you know, portray T'Challa one last time. Yeah, and what a good send-off that it's something, like, wholesome and fulfilling mm-hmm. and, like, new and different. Oh, yeah. You know, you yeah. feel like you're you're kind of sending him off into this different adventure, yeah. which is really neat. And, you know, it almost makes you want to, like, go back to Guardians of the Galaxy in hopes that, like, T'Challa will be there instead of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Chris Pratt. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going. Yeah, so, uh, like... Uh, what outside uh what outside movies do you watch outside of comics that you're really into? Um, you know, I always kind of go back to rewatch the classics. You know, I mean, my wife always criticizes me because she's like, "Didn't you watch this already?" And it'll be something that I literally probably have seen a hundred times, and that's not even an exaggeration. See, if anything, I'm underselling the amount of times I've seen. Something. You're the opposite of me, man, because I can't watch a movie more than once. See, I mean, for a while, I always see something differently. So, you know, and I think it's just the way my dad kind of like had me watch movies at a young age. You know, my dad was, you know, a theater critic. So like he would have me watch movies, you know, and always analyze different scenes, different parts of, you know, what the characters are doing, how they're saying things. Um, So, I mean, it's just, you know, always going back to certain movies that I love. It's just, you know, something for me. I mean, I love going back to like Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is a classic for me. Uh the first three Indiana Jones films. Yeah, no, really, nobody watches the fourth one. Yeah, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, there wasn't a fourth one. The fourth one was with Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. yeah. Well, that one was uh, real rough. But they're, apparently they're making a new one, right? They're making a new one, yeah. So that, it's interesting. I mean, they learn from mistakes. Back? Yeah, Harrison and, Ford's in it. See, I'm excited because it's James Mangold. So, oh, I mean, that's right. This okay. is the guy who brought us Logan. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can tell an old, like a story about an, an older character... 
I mean, yeah, this and is he, our yeah, guy. he just slam dunked Logan. So if you if you can pull that off and not make it like too much a retread of exactly. Logan, exactly, they, they could really be fantastic. And see, going back to what we were just discussing, Logan is actually a really great example of taking a story and making it different but better. Um, Zack Snyder took you know Batman v Superman, and we we're all in hopes that it was going to be the Dark Knight Returns brought to life. Uh, James Mangle took Logan, you know, we're all, you know, not really knowing what the story was going to be. We, we knew that it was going to be, in essence, like Lo you know, Old Man Logan, but it really wasn't Old Man Logan. Mm -hmm. You know, he brought us an old Logan, just told completely differently. Yeah. Which was, I amazing. Did, yeah, it was amazing. It's uh, probably my number one out of the oh, yeah. comic movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, easily. And, and when you watch the X-Men movies, like... I, there are some of them that are okay, and there are some of them that are like really terrible. But you you have this expectation that they're all like wavering around one quality level. Yeah. And then for that movie to come out, you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> so it probably looks even better by comparison. But it definitely, I, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it would be like Marvel coming out with something that's like Nolan's Batman Begins, where or, or Dark Knight, yeah. where you're like, oh, this is like way better than anything they've done. Well. Fox had that to their advantage, just like WB. You know, they were able to make these movies that Marvel, at right now, hasn't been making or just refuses to make. So when we saw Logan, again, a rated R movie, you know, we were all kind of like, you know, a little trepidatious about thinking like, well, is it going to be good or are they just going to be, you know, like giving us like F-bombs just for the sake of it? But, you know, we were able to see, you know, Hugh Jackman just like rage out and be that berserker like Wolverine that we wanted to see ever since the very first, you know, like, X-Men in 2000. So, you know, I thought it was excellent, you know. So a rated R film doesn't necessarily make a better film, but it can tell a better story because it allows more things to be, you know... De less. Yeah, Deadpool and Logan should be proof that you can tell two completely different moods and stories, mm -hmm. and R rating will actually help that be better. Exactly. Deadpool wouldn't be nearly as funny if it didn't have the, the style of humor it does that you need an R rating to achieve. Mm-hmm. And Logan wouldn't be at the same movie without the violence you can achieve. Exactly. Arcade. And so, that's in, it. In case in point, you know, when you watch these same films on, you know, FX or, you know, a station with commercials, they're taking out all the, the violence and obviously, you know, most of the swearing. But the effect is still there. You know, you're still able to sit down and watch this film and enjoy it, you know, because it's just a great story. You know, it doesn't really matter whether it's rated R, but the fact that it was, it just made it that much more enjoyable. Hell yeah. I, like everything you said, I agree with. I just, I just, uh, I'm pretty hopeful. Like everything will turn around and, but my issue is, we've talked about this before, is the foreign market, basically, let's keep it real. Mm -hmm. China's uh, hold on, uh, on, on cinema in the US now. Like, the problem is, if they made two versions... Which would be like a version that caters to China, which was probably way too expensive, and make a version that's just what Americans would like or mm. the rest of the world, pretty much. I think that would be ideal because they already do edit movies specifically for China because they allow a certain amount, and everybody knows you're going to make it. Well, Star Wars is probably the best example to use here that those movies felt very manufactured for a foreign audience in that they're like flashy, big explosions. You can... I mean, the the dialogue doesn't really matter, mm -hmm. but they also fit well with the studio executive side because they had no artistic like control done by any creator. So they fit well in the foreign market, but they also have like there's no story in the new trilogy mm -hmm. of the Disney ones. So when you take away 
someone like even if it was J.J. Abrams, like I don't think he's the most amazing filmmaker ever. But if he would have made all three, it would have at least like been one story. Been a little bit more cohesive. Yeah. So then you can be like, well, I don't really care that it's also for the foreign market. At least I can watch them in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's the same thing with the like the prequels where you're like they're not amazing movies but at least like stuff that happens in the first one affects stuff that happens in the third one and you can you can enjoy them on that merit that it is like one long story Mm -hmm. even if it feels really long at times George Lucas should have just never sold well I mean I I will commend Disney though because I like you know what they're doing with the uh, the new anime yeah um, if you guys haven't seen that, the, have yeah. you seen the new anime? No. It Man. looks incredible. It looks, yeah, I mean, I'm not really a big anime guy. You know, I've tried to get into, like, certain shows, but it's just, you know, not something that I really got into. But when I watch a trailer for the new Star Wars anime that yep. Disney's dropping, I mean, number one, the animation looks amazing. And number two, you know, they're telling different stories. Because I felt like, or I feel as if Star Wars is, like, a small town. Right. You know, I yep. mean, you walk outside, you know, Tatooine... And you know everyone. Yeah. You know, there's Luke, there's Darth Vader. Everybody knows everybody within Star Wars. Yeah. So being able to have new stories told within Star Wars in a different media, I mean, that's exactly, you know, for Star Wars fans, that's exactly what we're clamoring for, always been clamoring for, because I just finished The Bad Batch. <laughs> I was really hopeful when I first started the season. Ending the season and then being told by Disney that, you know, we're getting a second season. Yeah. Which is essentially just the Clone Wars season, yeah. whatever, you know, which I'm fine with. Yeah. But now I'm just more so ready for whatever else they're doing. Yeah. I think the anime is really cool because, I, I mean, I feel the same way. Like, I'm not really an anime fan. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're making it says so much about the direction they want to go in terms of doing new stuff. Yep. And, like... It feels like it's like 20 years of waiting for them to do what they've always promised, which is we'll tell a non-Skywalker story. Yep. And, like, The Mandalorian was the first time they did that, and then, like, it kind of still is a Skywalker story, but it was a good step, and now this anime, and, like, Taika Waititi's been talking mm-hmm. about making a, a movie with... It's like, if they really commit and do this, like, we, we could get this, this renaissance era of exactly. Star Wars that'll be so exciting and different, yeah. and hopefully will help curb some of the, the you know whatever will happen to the trajectory of superhero movies right that we have like now a whole sci-fi universe Mm -hmm. and star trek has shined probably bigger than star wars for times because their movies were better Mm -hmm. and so now it's like star wars can have their turn hopefully and see going into that i feel i I don't know if you guys are star trek fans i i'm pretty much 100 star wars like i've watched a couple star trek movies that just never really got me but like i'm like you know like definitely more star wars but you know i mean i i like star trek but you know they're definitely swinging and missing at all attempts at the plate with Star Trek. Um, I don't think whoever is running Star Trek gets what Star Trek is about. Star yeah. Trek is, you know, and I mean this in the sense that, you know, like it's a it's a patriotic series. It's an American series. You know, it's mm-hmm. about, you know, like exploring the final frontier. It's about going out in space. But it's also about, you know, like different cultures working together, but at one frontier point. You know what I mean? So I think they're trying to take certain, you know, liberties with certain, you know, properties. Like their Below Deck series, their uh, animation series. And it's too much like Rick and Morty. Yeah, that's um, what I noticed about it. I, I only watched like one episode. Yeah. But it, it's the opposite of doing something different because it's like this only exists and is good if you have context of what Star Trek actually should be. But the the good version, the real thing, it doesn't exist right now. Yeah. So how can I have any frame of reference for this? And I was excited to see um, 
the guy who played uh, what's his name? The guy from Logan. Hugh Jackman? No, no. Patrick Stewart. Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart. Thank you. I was excited to see Patrick Stewart come back and reprise his role, but he essentially just made a show that really has nothing to do with Star Trek. So, you know, I feel like Star Trek definitely has some, you know, ways to come. But Star Wars, you know, as a Star Wars fan, we're getting things that I we were hoping for, we were wanting, especially with the, uh, you know, new three that, you know, just, you know, passed us by. I feel like the new three um, were just retellings of the originals, you know. Uh, which nobody wanted, you know. I think they're trying to play. Well, that's what my friend uh, kept on saying. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but that's. I didn't hate them as much as other people did, mm -hmm. but but that's because I'm nostalgic to see, you know, uh, Han Solo, and that's probably why. Because mm -hmm. you, but they weren't the best. Like they could have done so. They could have just did a completely different story because her. Her, what's it called, and Skywalker's is basically the same story. Well, I mean, I think people were just tired of seeing the same story, yeah. you know? Um, and like we were just talking about with the uh, the Disney anime, you know, with Star Wars, you know, it's going to be new stories, and that's what, you know, I think people want to see. They just want to see new properties, as long as it's being told well. So, I mean, if Taika is going to come in and, you know, tell new stories for Star Wars, but, I mean, bring us new characters, too. You know, I mean, it's, it's fine if you want to go back to the, you know play box and you know get some of the old toys but you know especially with Tyka's movie the thing I, I think I'm most excited about is the way he directs dialogue mm -hmm. because every Star Wars movie that's ever come out whether it's Solo Rogue One any of the original stuff everyone the way they talk is that what they're saying is the most important thing that's ever been said <laughs> and it's like it's not there's no way in this whole yeah. galaxy you're that with Tyka he'll have people talking in regular cadence and regular speech yeah. and I think that'll bring an angle of Star Wars that's totally new and weird and different and it's cool because I think the I think the reason it's been stuck like that is because when Lucas made the original trilogy, he's pulling from like theater mm -hmm. and like and like movies that we just don't really have a context for now. He's pulling from like just kind of low budget, you know, movies yeah. you could spend a dime on at the theater, and uh -huh. there'd be two of them every week. So he's pulling from a different place. But people who created after him in the world were like, well, that's how Star Wars people talk. It's yeah, like, that's not really well, true. I mean, that's exactly it. Because when we watch the original, you know, trilogy, I mean, there's a certain gravitas that you know. There's like uh, a monologue. And... Well, that the, that the actors bring to you know each scene. But you know, like you were just saying about you know the the new trilogy, it's like. They're thinking that they have to bring that same thing, but it's like it—it it was more so the direction than it was, you know, the actual dialogue itself. You know, it's not how you say it. You know, I mean, it, it kind of went with the whole flow of that film. With this film, you know, it—it it almost makes it more clunky. You know, because you have this story that isn't flowing right to begin with, and then these characters are talking as if you know, like, and I am the best hero. Yeah, around. it's like old school theater, or like a Shakespearean theater, where it's like to be. <laughs> or not to be you know it's like they're just loud and raise their voice but then you got modern theater where people are like more mm -hmm. like you're seeing actual people it's like seeing a movie live and with the original trilogy what they were doing and taking on the Death Star and the Emperor whatever actually was the most important thing in the galaxy so right. it feels very justified but when you watch like Solo especially I, I, just, I just did not like that movie <laughs> and it's the perfect example of that where you're like none of you matter you, right. you know, in, in the grand scheme of this the stuff you're doing happens all over the galaxy every day why are you talking with such like weightiness or with such like poise and wittiness mm -hmm. you're like you're just a guy you know well, I, the yeah. stakes weren't there either in Solo right. you know I mean us knowing that it's a prequel and obviously the, the, the main you know 
uh, you know, hero, he's going to make it out. So, okay, well, we already know that. Yeah, and his romance doesn't matter because we know he's going to end it with Princess Leia. Exactly. And, and the the game with Lando doesn't matter because we know he gets the Falcon. And Lando is not ever in danger because we know Which he's... Which was very lackluster. Yeah, like everything... It's a whole movie based on, like, what if you knew how this was going to end? Yeah. So now you're like, well, I don't care how it ends. <laughs> and then at the end that they, that they pull Darth Maul in, uh-huh. they're like, we got to convince them this was worth the wait. And then it's like they scrapped that whole thing. So now we'll, ne- we'll probably never see Darth Maul in a movie now. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, that, that didn't help anything. Which it was nice seeing him brought back. Was it Rebels? Did he well, get, uh, did he- I think so. Yeah, he's in Rebels at some point. I, I haven't watched it, but I, okay. he's in it in an animated form. Okay. But just that... Yeah, I don't know. The fact that the, the people who are going to see Solo with their kids mm-hmm. have no idea, you know, oh, he's in Rebels, that canonically connects. They're yeah. just like, what is Darth Maul doing here? I mean, exactly. I went and saw it with my parents when it came out for my younger brother's birthday, and, like, my mom and dad come out of theater, and they're, like, you know, casual watch-it-with-your-kids Star Wars fans, mm-hmm. and they're like, why was that guy in it? Didn't he die, like, 30 years <laughs> ago? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's the confusion. Listen, like, guys, you don't watch the cartoons? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're not buffoons. reading the books, like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes Star Wars, and I think, you know, it took me a while to really, like, become, like, a diehard fan, because sometimes it's a little bit too much inside baseball, and, you know, it can be like, whoa, uh, just give me a movie, and, you know, that's it, but, um, you know, The Mandalorian proved to be, you know, a good show uh, without characters that we're familiar with, other than the final episode of the last season, which, honestly, I mean, I got really emotional. Me too. Yeah. I got really emotional, I mean, because it was done really well. Yeah. And that, that's the only way I think that you can do the, like, every story is en- ends up being about the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. Is like, if you do it like that, where two seasons of time is actually a long time to wait for mm-hmm. a character like that. And so that feels like a payoff. Mm-hmm. But if they would have, right, if they have the end of the very first pilot episode of The Mandalorian, they're like, oh, and, like, Leia is there. You're like, okay, well, this is pointless now. <laughs> but instead, you get droids and aliens and, you, you know, it's all that. I was skeptical at first of Mandalorian because I thought, okay, it's like baby Yoda. They're really just trying to pull back to, like, the idea that, like, Yoda and the Jedis are, like, the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. But as time went on, it's like they're actually just characterizing it. They're just giving us something familiar right. so that we can care about it. But the fact that it's its own character and, like, I, yeah, I think that they've really pulled that off. Like, mm-hmm. Making you nostalgic for Star Wars, but also giving you totally new stuff you've never seen. Exactly. The also thing I liked about the Mandalorian that kind of gave you reminiscent of like the older uh, Star Wars is like some characters are so CGI like great, and some look stupid as hell. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be like, looks like a puppet. So I like that too. Like you got some other characters like that look like literally a puppet. It looks mm-hmm. stupid as hell, but you got some characters that were very CGI, you know and. Well, I mean, they gave, good. they gave a lot of people, you know, kind of creative control, you know, when they came to directing. Um, Rodriguez. Uh, Gina Rodriguez? What's uh, the name? The, uh, the director. Uh, the guy who did, like, the Grindhouse films. I don't remember the Robert name. Robert Rodriguez. Oh, oh, maybe. Okay. Because um, he did the one where they come, like, uh, the dark stormtroopers come and, like, kidnap Baby Yoda. He did that particular episode, and I think it was shot brilliantly because... Again, it was an it was an episode that was shot on location, but it felt like it was just shot in like the hills of California, which is fine because it felt like it, you were right there with it, like right in like you know like the hills of like you know like just like like battle, you know what I mean? So it, it felt real cool. It didn't feel like you know like the green screen like you know was behind them and like they had to like talk to a fake puppet. I mean, it felt real cool. And that tech that they're using of the giant screen that like adapts. <laughs> 
I that's easily like the I think the most exciting thing for something like Star Wars. Yeah. Because they'll use that for movies now going forward for stuff. And you'll watch, you know, you'll see like a rom-com and you'll be like, okay, they're probably not actually in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. That's a screen. I don't care about that. If if we have to suffer movies that look like that to get stuff where you can be on a planet, Mm -hmm. but they're in a soundstage, so it looks incredible. That's great. That's great. Like, I would love that to be the case. Mm -hmm. I think it's what Lucas would have been using if he was still directing these movies. I think he would be like on that cutting edge of technology like they were when they made the original Star Wars. And that that's exactly what he brought when he brought us the the prequel series. You know, he brought us so many things tech, techn, te, from a technological standpoint that, you know, people criticize the films, but I mean, you know, they look like beautiful. You can hate Jar Jar Binks, but the <laughs> fact that he was on screen is like monumental. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like even like that's what people will be like, "Oh, Star Wars is stupid like the originals." I'm like, "You guys are idiots. You don't understand. These movies were like in the 70s." Bro, like I, I like you know I was born in the 90s like I was like maybe five when I first saw the Star Wars I'm like bro even then the technology seemed like when I f- saw Star Wars I got the same reaction when I saw uh, Jurassic Park the first Jurassic Park mm-hmm. like bro these dinosaurs are real so that's what like people don't understand like because this age of technology and CGI you like there's no wonder like you don't get surprised by cinema like you used to it's it's funny you talk about Jurassic Park and like the amazement like pretty much everybody has when they see you know like they come upon like the dinosaurs they were going to use like a different like animating uh or animation department they were going to use the same animation department that i don't know if have you ever you've seen uh robocop right yeah do you remember uh the same like like the same animation team who who did the um the like giant robot that he fights you know oh yeah that stupid thing like whatever like some like not the T-1000, but, you know, the, the giant robot that Ro- RoboCop sure. fights. They were going to use that animation department to make Jurassic Park. I mean, at the last minute, they went a different route. Thank but, goodness. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have looked completely different. Was it like Jurassic Park when the first time they used, like, a CGI type thing? It was something that Steven it's, Spielberg tried. but it's uh, Yeah, it was, like, really groundbreaking. Because it's a mix, if I remember I mean, right, of, it like, looked practical. amazing. And, uh, yeah. For a child, man, because I, I think I've seen it in theaters for a field trip. Even as an, well, year did like, it come as an adult, I, I mean... 94, 95? I think, yeah, 94, maybe 92. I think it was earlier 90s rather than ladies, rather than later. So on a field trip. What did I see? Because I remember seeing it in a theater. I mean, back then, they used to put older movies in theaters. But too. That, that's a good question that you asked for me. Like, what is the stuff... I guess maybe, like, that screen they're using for Mandalorian, but what is the stuff that they're doing in movies now where, like we're watching them as they come out and be like, wow, that just changed the world of, like, entertainment. Like, mm-hmm. well, that just, you know? Well, it, it's funny, because you can have certain films that still hold up 100%, and other films you go back and rewatch, and you really can tell, you can see the, you know, the you know where the, maybe the lines are, the seams are, so to speak. But, you know, when I go back and I rewatch, you know, like, that's why I go back and rewatch the classics, like Ghostbusters and Indiana Jones, because I can't see those seams. You know, they're literally seamless. You know, I mean... Ghostbusters to me is essentially a perfect film because mm-hmm. you know it captures you know comedy horror which is not easy to do. I mean you have to really hit those you know comedic beats. So to have three dudes you know capture it perfectly on top of you know really trying to do a good horror movie too, uh, it's difficult because we saw in 2016 when they tried to remake it, which it didn't go well. I mean you have to really use something other than special effects to make these ghosts. I mean, they Yeah, had... they, yeah their storyline was horrible. Well, I mean, it wasn't just the storyline. I mean, people had issues with the fact that they were, you know, four women instead of four men, 
But the issue that I had is exactly what you're talking about, the awe factor. You know, when we go to see Jurassic Park, it's the awe factor of looking at the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. When I go back to watch Ghostbusters, it's the awe factor of seeing Slimer, you know, actually being there as if he's, you know, a real phantasm. But when I go and watch, you know, the 2016 Ghostbusters, I can tell, my brain's telling me, like, you know, this is a green screen, they're fighting nothing, you know, these weapons they're using are just, you know, fake weapons, there's nothing really on their back. It's just... It, it wasn't bringing me into the I think film. Uh, that one point, and the thing is, it's a reboot and not a, like, sequel. Like, if they would have made it, like, these are, uh, like, Fate had uh, the daughters of the original Ghostbusters becoming the Ghostbusters because of Fate, mm -hmm. that would have been a way better story. Did you see the new trailer? For yeah, Afterlife, the, yeah, yeah. That one looks incredible. I, I feel like that'll be the only thing close to a worthy successor of the original mm -hmm. yeah. because they are doing that where like the story actually has something to do with the original film. Yep. And, and so then it's like, I don't care if it's all women or if it's all kids or if it's like, whatever, See, it's well, a good story. Like, I hate when people try to, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure some guys look woman taking men's space. Ah, shut the hell up. But so, I feel like some, there is that minority of men like, Oh men can do a white man can. Do. I I joke about that. I always say, man, what, what does a white man have to do to get a job in Hollywood? But I joke about that, but it's not that. It's like you guys are using... It's like you're using women to make a shitty movie. And now want right. to guilt us into liking it. But it's like, no, just make a good movie and nobody cares. Yeah. Well, I think people need to be more cognizant in who's in, you know, in charge of these properties. You know, yeah. you gave you know a property that you know was Melissa McCarthy's husband, who's... You know, he's used to making comedies, but he's not used to making comedies and horror. So, I mean, yeah. when Ivan Reitman made Ghostbusters, I mean, he knew what he was doing. You know, I mean, seeing Ivan Reitman pass a torch to his son, I feel like, you know, obviously he knows, like, yeah. you know, what to do. So, I mean, that's why, you know... Is, is that who's directing The Afterlife? Yep. Oh, so, I, I did not know that. That's yep. incredible. Okay. That's yeah, so, super I mean, there's, exciting. There's a lot of, like, you know, like, nostalgia just wrapped up in, in this new Ghostbusters film. I mean... You know, watching, like, you know, the trailer, you know, I didn't get the chills, you know, like, when I watched 2016, I didn't get the chills like I did when I watched this trailer. This trailer, I mean, like, it made me want to go back and, like, buy the toys and start playing with the ones I do have. I mean, it was yeah. it was cool, man. Yeah, it seems like it has a lot of potential and to really carry the torch, which a lot of properties that they reboot don't get that because they don't care about the source material. They just care about the marketability. Exactly. And that's, uh, we. I mean, our first episode, we talked all about yep. Space Jam, and that's... That's that exact same problem. I know you guys already talked about it, but I mean, what exactly did you guys like or dislike about the new Space Jam? So, uh, so <laughs> full transparency. So I didn't watch it. I have not seen it. Okay. We, I talked about the Don't concept of making it. I got okay. Because I was interested in the fact that they made another Space Jam. Because I, I really liked the original one. I watched it a bunch of times. Grew up watching it as a kid. Like, I, I think it's fun. And, and the, yeah. The, the fun thing about the original Space Jam is, I mean, I think our parents all sat in front of the Looney Tunes. So, I mean, we yeah. all grew up with the Looney Tunes. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's universal all around. Regardless if you play basketball or any sports, I feel like you could watch the original Space Jam and just have a connection to it because it was just a fun watch. We watched it like twice a year at my um, middle, I mean, middle school. I it, mean, it was a fun watch. It's worth watching that many times. Yeah. It's yeah. good. I mean, the, the music, you know, was just fun. I mean, like, you know, it went with the time. I mean, is it a dated soundtrack? I mean, of course it is. Yeah, but it's dated in the best in way. In the best way. I mean, I mean. I mean, the signs aren't coming. Was, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I believe I, I can fly. Hey, to, man, I believe I can fly is a hit. It's a hit, man. But, I mean, you know, that's exactly, I feel like, what you guys probably already, you know, discussed. But that's exactly what the new Space Jam was missing. There was 
Okay. No, like, so, emotional attachment to this Space that Jam. Too. Right. And, and we talked a little bit about how the original Space Jam is, like, a very humbling piece for Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. which is interesting that he made it because he doesn't seem like somebody who's, like, eager to do stuff like that. But it really is a piece about how, like, he needed to confront his fears to, like, become a better player. But he was... That made him a hero. Exactly. The new one is just like, I start as the hero and the best guy ever, I end as the hero but and the best guy ever. But he's also starting as the villain, too, by, you know... Making his son feel as if what he's trying to accomplish is, you know, nothing. Right. You know, you should only follow one path. And obviously, you know, his demeanor changes okay. throughout the film. But, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, for people who aren't LeBron fans right. going into the film, right. don't start off being obnoxious. Which, you know, there was a meme I saw, you know, of Bugs as Batman and LeBron as Robin. That's exactly why he's always Robin. Because yeah. people look at him as, you know, a secondary character. So... What I liked was the animation. I liked the uh, like original characters and stuff. I liked the you know the cameos a little. I thought they were cool. Like Rick and Morty mm -hmm. popped up. I like that See, stuff. Uh, like I get that because it's like you're in the whole universe. Mm -hmm. the, what I didn't like is the ego. It seemed like a commercial for what's his name for uh, LeBron. Two is like people are calling him King James. Like dude, why the hell is the villain calling you King James? Don Cheadle was great, but it made me think less of him as a character. Mm -hmm. It was like, dude, you could tell like LeBron had uh, creative uh, input, which he shouldn't have because he's not very the most creative person. This is a guy that said he was a hip-hop historian. So you could, you could take it with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I think it's like, hey, I can't look too bad in this movie. Uh, I'm like, it, it was too focused on him. Well... This, I think, ties in perfectly with what we were talking about, shoehorning things in for yeah. the f sake of shoehorning exactly. things in. You know, we've been hearing for decades about a new Space Jam film. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, like, almost, you know, like... I think, 20, like, at least, I've heard it, of, it like, I think right ago, after the original came out, right it was, oh, yeah, 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 I remember, too. you know, still being in high school 20 years ago, and they are like, oh, you know, because Michael Jordan was, you know, still, you know, like, on the Wizards. Um, and, you know, they were like... Well, you know, maybe he'll come back and make another Space Jam, and they were talking about it, but it never happened. So for this to finally come to fruition, I mean, it, it was just, it didn't have, again, it just didn't have that same magic. It didn't have that same Vespa, you know what I mean? I was just mad because a lot of my friends were like, yeah, it's a kid movie, we'll get over it. I was like, bro, it's see, that's your problem is... Well, it, it is a kid talk. movie, but it's I can marketed enjoy a kid as though... Movie, but it's marketed for the uh, people that watched the original Space Jam and grew up on it. And I'm just like, bro, like, even when he fell in the animated universe, it turned to a Nike sign. That was stupid as hell. That was, like, over-commercialization. Well, I feel like what I was going to say is they're, they're shoehorning it in for the sake of LeBron. Like, if you're going to make a Space Jam, it could really be about anything. That's, yeah. the, that's what I was going to say is I would so much rather see a Looney Tunes basketball movie with no humans in it yeah. than this movie. Or somebody who's just a little bit more charismatic. Right. You know right. I mean? Like, I know he's... You know, uh, you know somebody who's getting a lot of you know work right now. But if you brought like somebody like the Rock in, you right. know, at least you know yep. he's going to be a draw. Well, and that's the thing too. That's funny is that the concept of Space Jam, the original, is not intrinsically about basketball. It's exactly. intrinsically about an expert in something playing with the Looney Tunes. So you can do that with you can do you could have John Cena come do wrestling with the Looney Tunes, and it would be hilarious. It, you just need to bring in somebody who's prominent and then attach their profession to it. And that's exactly I'm like. So what does basketball have to do with this film? Nothing. And LeBron can't act. Right. So, so find a good actor. That was horrible. Yeah. Like, uh, like now I look at it. Dude, Which what's I his name? John Cena would have been a perfect choice because yeah. I feel like John Cena comedically 
is is hitting the marks. Oh yeah, know? he he does. I mean, he hasn't he, missed he does, like he does, stuff he, he's been in recently. Yeah, and even blockers. Funny. You know, playing like yeah. a dad trying to chase down his daughter. I feel like man, he was on it, man. He That's was, the specific movie I was thinking of. Yeah. That I feel like he proved his comedic chops there. Exactly. Which I feel like The Rock, even though he doesn't always work just with Disney, he kind of pigeonholed himself to be just a family name. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he can't really do, like, the raunchy stuff. He can't really do, you know, like, the Suicide Squad stuff. You know, it's which... like, yeah, you couldn't, it's like, I mean, they're linked because they work together a lot, but it's like Kevin Hart. Like, he can't go do some crazy R-rated mm-hmm. this or that because people know him as, like, the guy you can take your kids to go see in the movie. He also, I, I can't think of a time, but I don't think Rock, The Rock has ever played a love interest with anybody. Um, like I know maybe he, in like some of the disaster movie stuff he's done, like, like the earthquake no, or whatever. Oh, he's so. had like like women that he's been like you know like involved with, but like you know not in the sense where like you know like he's kissing the girl at the end and they're gonna have some right. sort of like re- romantic involvement. You know, G. like Joe? no, no. Yeah, I, you're right. I can't think of one where they because portray like that because it's just like he's like oh, I'm about like hustling. He's and just life. A, he's just a, a you know like strong like you know like action dude. That's it. Which, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like that's what the 80s and, you know, the early 90s were all about. Like, you know, like, you had movies like, you know, Cliffhanger and, like, you know, like, Total Recall where, like, you know, Arnold had, like, you know, like, his certain, you know, female characters that he played off of. But, I mean, it was just, you know, about him kicking ass. I mean, like, John Cena, The Rock, Dave Bautista, maybe the last of the great, like, like just, like, just dudes. muscle guys. Yeah. And that's, like, their whole deal. And yeah. it works really well. It's just... You're only able to play certain things. You're, right, you're you not get gonna, stuck in that. Because I feel like if you are going to play something different that's out of the norm for you, that's what's going to make it funny. So I feel like Batista, on the other hand, he's really grown into a really good actor. And I think within time, John Cena will probably become a better actor too, kind of like The Rock has. You know what I like? The problem is they found acting later in life. That's the only thing is like, because John Cena's already in his 40s. Batista's a little older than that. But look at, I mean, I don't think age has anything to do with Look at Steve Carell. He started his career in his 40s. Yeah, sure. yeah. You, but I'm ages, talking about for those roles. I mean, Idris Elba is the other one I think of. Where like, but for those roles, it's gonna get to a point where like, you need yeah. But I mean, it just depends on like how character. well they. But if they develop to actual like character characters, well, it just depends on how much time they develop to their craft. Because I feel like you know I was gonna say about uh, Batista when he was in you know Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, he was just a face. You know, people looked at him. You know, a shirtless figure. You know. And his and, character is kind of that. It's just kind yeah. of like a guy who stabs. He's, you know, like, okay. he's just there. You know who's unnecessary in the Guardians of the Galaxy? I gotta get this off my chest. Vin Diesel. Well, yeah. Like, but that's what that's what James Gunn does. He brings in people to play a role where he brings in a huge actor to do saying, like bro, one line. Like, he didn't earn that paycheck. <laughs> but Dave Bautista in you know. Uh, but in the second Guardians of the Galaxy, he was a lot more. Blade Runner. 2049 i mean his ability even though he's only in it for about 10 minutes yep i mean he really brings it i mean like you know he's playing like you know like a robot you know uh or a replicant but you know he's i mean like emotionally selling the role i also think of sylvester sloan in guardians of the galaxy 2 uh-huh. very small role but he punches so hard in that because you see him as like muscly guy but then he brings emotion where yep. you're like oh that's actually really sad mm-hmm. and that's a combo of like him being a more talented actor than he gets credit for and james gunn being a director who can like harness the talent of these like hunky kind of dumb looking guys yep. and make them really impactful well, I mean, just going back to his very first film, uh, well, one of his, you know, more 
notable first films is Rocky. You know, I mean, you know, he was supposed to be, you know, out of that film. He wrote the film. He was supposed to be, you know, like just the writer and they're going to just, you know, shoehorn, you know, I guess that's the, the phrase for today, shoehorn in the, uh, the Hollywood face. Right. And he wanted to, you know, just remain adamant about like, this is my role. You know, and they're like, who the hell are you? You know, exactly. so yeah. he came in and he killed it. You know, I mean, that first Rocky film. I mean, is completely different than any other, you know, one in the franchise. Because, I mean, it really is a character piece. It's not a sports movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's about Rocky and, you know, the challenges he's gone through, you know, to become the champion, you know, or try to become the champion. It's like uh, it's like the Karate Kid. That exactly. movie lands so hard because it's not like, look at how awesome karate is. Mm -hmm. It's like you actually are really invested in in him as a person. Yep. In Daniel and, and then Mr. Miyagi that like, if you don't care about that dynamic, it's like, I don't care how impressive his karate is, mm -hmm. but I care about that relationship. And then the movie is so much more exciting. Exactly. Because of that. Yep. And especially like, you know, like when we watch The Karate Kid or any movie like that as a kid, I mean, it just made you want to go out and, you know just i guess achieve something like that you know like yeah. either karate or you know like boxing or you know score a goal in soccer you know it was just those uplifting films that i think are lacking you know i i enjoyed creed but i feel like creed didn't have the same heart that rocky did you know it, creed was both films were really good uh they just weren't at that level you know creed is good film rocky is a great film it's lightning in a bottle sometimes. You can have all the same ingredients and just not get the same yep. movie again, which is sad, but cool. I I think it's cool when the sequel turns out as good. So or, then you know it better. can be done. Right, right. You, you know it can be done. I mean, the Karate Kid is still a good example of that. The whole yep. trilogy like is really exactly. good. You know, and it, it it might be the only example of the whole trilogy, maybe Rocky the same, where yep. like the trilogy is actually really good, yep. but then they can't duplicate that later or mm -hmm. like that, you know, whatever. Well, I think it... Rocky morphed into something else, you know, I mean, like, the second one, you know, obviously was, you know, another, like, you know, like, retelling of the first, but, you know, part of that same story, so, I mean, we had to see what happened after somebody who fought for the title lost, you know, and then kind of where they go from there, you know, kind of want to step back, but he ended up, you know, fighting again, you know, the third film, you know, kind of was already taking a, a, you know, like a distance from, like, the franchise anyway, and then fourth, fifth, you know, were basically like music videos especially you know like when you know he's fighting um uh mr t not mr t i mean that was a pretty pretty much a music video too but <laughs> you know i think they brought it back you know like together when they did uh rocky balboa yeah we're at uh, an hour 15 if we want to kind of circle it up and wrap it up we'll... so in conclusion is you know, uh, we'll have to see, and we're pretty hopeful for the uh, the landscape of uh, the movie industry. Comic book movies. Comic books. We'll uh, link uh, your social media. Yeah, we'll hit it in the description. Everybody and, check out the uh, links. Again, like and subscribe, and if anybody wants to come on, you got to be interested. It's though. just been like a standing invitation yeah. that anybody can just jump on here, but I'm like, oh. yeah. if, no, you're, uh, if you're interesting, it's, it's if you have like things to say, then yes. <laughs> so... Uh, Thank cool. you guys for watching and tune in for uh, for your weekly episodes. Yeah, next Friday. Uh, check out all the links in social and check us out on other uh, platforms. We're here every every week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. For sure. Good to have Bye. you.